Thank you for listening to the Pentecostals of Bossier City Sermon Podcast. For more information, including our live webcast schedules, please visit www.pobc.cc. Turn to somebody beside you across this house and tell them the victory is the Lord's. Turn around to somebody else, look them in the eye and say the victory is the Lord's. If you want to thank God that your victory has already been won, give him one more hand clap of praise. I haven't, I told a few people this week, I haven't really since Wendy's positive report came back, I haven't stopped getting choked up about absolutely everything because there is a victorious, joyful, optimistic outlook in the Pentecostals of Bozier because we're seeing God step into these situations. Y'all, we have some good days ahead. We have a city that is ripe for the harvest. And I believe that God is setting up this church, these people, to bring in that harvest in the name of Jesus. And I cannot stop getting excited about these good reports. I'm very thankful, very thankful for what God is doing. Early on in the Word of God, we recognize that He is a God of promises. And if He makes a promise to you, He always without fail, no doubt about it, is going to keep that promise. God is a God of promises, and He never fails to keep them. He makes oaths with us. He gives us dreams. He gives us visions. And He tells us over and over again, and He even reminds us sometimes whenever our vision kind of gets casted off to the side on something else that doesn't matter. He has a way of slipping in and reminding us, this will come to pass. He gave a promise to Abram in Genesis 15 and verse 13. It said, God said to Abram, know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, where they will be enslaved and oppressed 400 years, but I will also judge the nation whom they will serve. And afterward, they they will come out with many possessions. Down to verse 18, on that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying, to your descendants I have given this land. From the river of Egypt as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. And that promise was passed down from generation to generation. I'm going to speak tonight, just a few moments with your help and most importantly with God's help. Carry the bones. Everybody say, carry the bones. Father, we ask for your anointing and your power over the remainder of this service, God. We thank you for what you've done already this day, through this morning service, through these worship services, God. You have been here all day long, and we are grateful for it. Be with us for the remainder of this service, and help your word to go forth as intended. In the name of Jesus Christ, everybody say amen. Quick, thank you, Paul. That promise, don't worry about it. If you don't know what I'm talking, yeah, you may be seated. Sorry, I forgot that part. That promise was passed down from generation to generation. It was quoted back to Isaac. He reminded him over and over again and said, you know, you know that you're part of the promise that God gave to me. And he told him over and over again about 
the descendants being as plentiful, as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sands of the earth. He said, you're part of that promise. And that promise, that declaration was passed down to his child. And it got passed down over and over again to not just his children, but his grandchildren, to all of the family. Everybody that was connected to his family knew about this promise. And so much of the Old Testament, the way that it was passed down was it was orally. It was from person to person. They would write it down and they would check to make sure that they wrote it down accurately. And all these stories, these promises, these prophecies, all of this was laid down one after the other, time and time again, as accurately as possible because it had to be presented that God makes promises and God keeps His promises. So Abram's promise was something they recounted time and time again. They always talked about the promise quoted back, remember, to his grandchildren and his great-grandson Joseph was no different. Joseph, as a young man, was given dreams by God, promises from God. And within his own life, he saw these promises come to pass. He saw these things happen before his very eyes. And somehow, I read the Scripture, and when I hear what happens to Joseph, my mind goes, surely he had to get discouraged every now and then. But somehow he kept this notion, this attitude, that God always keeps His promises even in the midst of these storms. Joseph, the one who ascended out of slavery. Joseph, the one who then descended into prison. Joseph, who ascended once again to become the second in command of all of Egypt, the most powerful at that time nation in the world. Joseph, the one who surely knew word for word the promises of God To Abraham, to your descendants, I'm going to give this land from the Nile River to the Euphrates. For your descendants, I'm going to do this. Tell them about it. Recount this promise over and over again. And let them know that I am God and I always show up. Joseph recounted this surely time and time again throughout his life. And he surely told these stories these prophecies, these promises to his own children. Joseph recounted it every single day, I'm sure. When he would pray to God, he would thank Him for the promises and the blessings. But in Genesis 50, Joseph wept over his father's body. The father with whom he had been reunited. The father, the man Jacob, who was renamed Israel, was passing away. And he took his father's head and he kissed His father in Genesis 50 and verse 4, it says, When the days of mourning for him were past, Joseph spoke to the household of Pharaoh, saying, If now I have found favor in your sight, please speak to Pharaoh, saying, My father made me swear, saying, Behold, I am about to die. In my grave which I dug for myself in the land of Canaan, there you shall bury me. Now therefore, please let me go up and bury my father, then I will return. And Pharaoh said, Go up and bury your father as he made you swear. So Joseph went to bury his father, and with him went all the servants of Pharaoh, the elders of his household, and all the elders of the land of Egypt, and the household of Joseph and his brothers in his father's household. He took a caravan above all caravans to go and bury his father in this promised land, this place that he knew belonged to his family, the place that was promised to his family. He buried his father in Canaan, and you kind of have to put yourself in his shoes to understand what must have taken place next after he buried his father and did exactly as he wished, exactly as he pretty much demanded. 
After he buried his father, he had to turn around and walk away and perhaps get on a camel or whatever it was that he rode there. He had to get back up and as he rode away, I'm sure, I'm sure that he had to turn around and look back at that land. Look back at the land of his father and his father and his father. The land that he knew was promised to God's people. And as he turned around and he looked at that land and looked at these familiar sights, looked at all this stuff, looked and saw the place where he had buried his father. And as it drew distant in the horizon, he must have had this this pain in his heart. That something doesn't feel right about leaving this place. Something doesn't feel right about leaving this promise that God gave. I'm sure that feeling, it had to stick with him. Over his remaining years. And he lived a long life to the age of 110. But this man, this this Joseph, this Joseph that understood the promises of God. He knew it did not feel right. I shouldn't be going back. This is not my home. This is not the way that it's supposed to be. But he, he went back to Egypt and he grew old. And he died. And at the time of his death, he, he had to think back to the way that it was with his father. And he, his father said, bury me in the land of Canaan. But he didn't plan a return visit. He said, bury me in the land of Canaan. And then he left the rest up to Joseph. So Joseph had a different request upon his deathbed. In Genesis 50 and 24, Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die. But God will surely take care of you and bring you up from this land to the land which he promised on oath to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely take care of you. And you shall carry my bones up from here. So Joseph died at the age of 110 years, and he was embalmed and placed in a coffin in Egypt. He told them, don't bury me here in Egypt to stay. I'm sure that he made it absolutely clear to him. He probably said, look at me. Look at me with what energy he had remaining in his body. Look at me in the eyes. Let me know that you understand. Don't bury me here. My bones, the remains that I leave on this earth, They belong in a different place. They belong in Canaan. They belong in the land that was promised to our fathers. The land that God himself said, it belongs to you. Don't put me out of sight. Let my coffin, my remains be a reminder at all times to you that this is not where we belong. Look at me. Promise me. Promise me that you won't let my bones stay in Egypt. He said, I might not live to return to that land, but carry my bones. The promise that was given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the promise must live on even if I don't. Carry my bones. Carry these bones to that land that God has promised. God made a promise. And the man that knew all too well that God keeps his promises. The dreams, the visions that God gives come to pass. The man who knew all of that so well said these bones. 
that which remains of me will remind you of that promise. One day, Pharaoh and his advisors, after, he pass, after Joseph passes away, they look across the land, and all they see, as far as the eye can see, is, is Hebrews. They're everywhere. They're multiplying so quickly that it's becoming a little bit alarming. It's a problem. And they worry they're going to outnumber us, and they're going to rise up with an army and overthrow us in this land. They multiplied so quickly, it would become a certain problem. So they came up with a solution, and that solution was to simply make slaves of all of them. So they made them slaves. They made them do their hard labor. They made them work. They made them build cities. And God's people were underneath a whip of Egypt. Slaves in a foreign land. Bound, beaten, broken with a promise that was given in their father seemingly so far away. But Exodus 1 tells us that the more that they were afflicted, the more they multiplied. And the more they spread. And they looked and they said, we don't know what to do with this. And so Pharaoh said, I'll tell you what. Every single child that's born, if it's a boy, have the midwife kill it on the spot. But the midwives wouldn't do it. They wouldn't do it. Because they feared God. And so Pharaoh, they're coming up with all these plans. Okay, have the midwives kill him. And the midwives said, no, we're not going to do it. And they said, why aren't you killing him? they said, the Hebrew women are so strong that they're having the baby so quickly that we can't even get to them. Wow. Nothing they did worked. Every plan that they came up with failed and fell on its face. Every plan that the enemy devised, every single one of them, was powerless against the promise of God. And in this building, there are promises that have been spoken so clearly with the authority of God's voice speaking out in the darkest of nights. And those promises that we took in are the promises that resonate still today because we're still telling each other, do you remember what God said was going to happen? Do you remember what God promised over us? It's still taking place. It's still in our future. It's still just one moment with God away. Somebody give God a little bit of praise. Give him some thanks. Give him some faith right now that his promises are still coming to pass. Every plan the enemy devised was powerless against God. According to Jewish history, in the Midrash, the Egypt, they saw the coffin. They, they looked at the coffin of Joseph, and they had a problem with it. Because they said, if these Hebrew people keep looking at that coffin, it's going to remind them of the promise that they have. Because they've all heard about this. Oh, they're going to take that land up north. They're going to take all of that. They know this promise and they look at all the building projects they've got going on. And they say, we got some pretty good cheap labor right now. And when I say cheap, I mean absolutely free. It happened. This can't happen. We can't let this happen. So they said, we've got to do something about the coffin of Joseph. Because the last thing that we need is a memorial that these Hebrews can look at and say, oh yeah, do you remember? There's a promise that lies ahead of us. There's a promise that's just over the horizon. There's a promise just north of here that that land is ours. So they said, we have to take this thing. Don't let it be a memorial. And they went down to the Nile River and they had this metal casket and they put it into the Nile and they let it sink to the bottom. 
hopefully, in their eyes, never to be seen or heard from again. But one day a man named Moses stood before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh, beyond the point of exhaustion, he got up and he told him and his brother Aaron, rise up, get out from among my people, both you and the sons of Israel, and go. They had watched plague after plague take place, and they watched Pharaoh's heart be hardened throughout all of this. And then finally, he reaches a breaking point, and they said, we have to act right now. They didn't delay. They didn't dawdle around. This was the promise coming to pass. So they went and they told the people, and everybody started packing for a trip frantically. Because if you had a moment where this could be taking place, you have 400 years in slavery, and suddenly the opportunity comes up for going back home. The promise is actually taking place. We're going back home. How would you pack? How would you pack? Would you be putting everything in your home in its place? No. You'd be packing like that trip where you know the suitcase can't go over 50 pounds because that's now apparently the worst offense in human history is if it goes over 50 pounds. So they're looking and they say, I can't take that. I can't take that. We have to take that. That was little, that was little baby boys. That was, that was his first little outfit that he had. We got to take that. So they got to put that in there. And like, well, what about the little rocking chair? No, that's, that's huge. Are you kidding? It's a rocking chair. He's like four foot tall now. He's not going to have the rocking chair. So they're doing all this. And they're scrambling in their homes trying to figure out what has to be taken. But then Moses steps up. Say, wait a minute. Where are the bones of Joseph? Don't you remember what he asked of us? Where are the bones of Joseph? Don't you remember? He, He made us swear that if we were to leave, we would take his bones back to Canaan with us. And according to the Midrash, this girl comes up. Her name is Sarah. And she said, Joseph is in the Nile. So Moses, Moses was, I guess, really feeling his oats because finally after all the plagues, he finally had his way. So Moses, it said, went to the bank of the Nile River. He said, Joseph, the time has come. Rise up. And according to the Jewish historians, they say the coffin floated to the top of the Nile. And they drew it in and then they put it on their shoulders. And they began to pack up. And they took the bones of Joseph. Because they represented the promise that they would not let go of. That the enemy would try to say, put it away. Don't let them remember what God has said will come to pass. But they lifted up that promise and they carried the bones to their destiny. Somebody needs to pick up the bones of your promise. That thing that you said, maybe that's not part of God's plan anymore. Maybe I should let it die. Pick up the bones and let the promises of God have their way in your life. Give God a hand clap of praise. God, we need all of it. God, we're not satisfied with just the people that are here tonight. They're hurting. They're broken. They're outside these walls. God, give us a promise of this city. How must it have felt to be about 300, 400 years away? 
They've been talking about this for centuries. It's just a legend at this point. We don't know him personally. We just hear these stories. This man that went from nothing to the second in command of this nation that has now enslaved us, even though our bloodline is what saved this entire nation from famine. Centuries they're looking around and they're saying, this doesn't really mean much to me. But imagine when all these people are packing and in comes somebody and they're carrying the bones of Joseph. Imagine what it must have done to the heart of that person that said, we're never going to leave. It's not going to happen. We've got a comfortable existence here. Sure, we're enslaved. <laughs> sure, we have to do work that we're not paid for. Sure, we have the lashes of the Egyptian whips. The marks are still on our backs to this day, and they'll never leave. Sure, we have all that, but at least we have something to eat. And they thought about it later down the road. They said, remember how much fish we had. The melons and the cucumbers and the onions and the leeks. Remember when we had all of that. It was just comfortable enough. But it was not the promise. It was comfortable enough. But it wasn't the fullness of what God said would be theirs. Carry the bones. Exodus 13 and 19. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For he had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely take care of you and you shall carry my bones from here with you. But the journey was not exactly as they had anticipated. Because when you plan a trip, if you get on Google and you say, i got to figure out how we're going to get to this spot, you don't program it to say, all right, I want you to, first of all, avoid tolls, which is a little, little tip there for you. That helps. I want it to avoid tolls. And also, I want to go through a sea. And Google tries to put you all the way around the sea. You know where Google was wanting to take them? Google would have, <laughs> it didn't exist. But Google would have taken them through the land of the Philistines. These old adversaries, these ones that always would rise up over and over again against the people of Israel. It would have taken them through those lands. But it wouldn't have put them straight through the Red Sea. But God looked down at his people and he said, I, I don't know if they're ready for the Philistine route just yet. In Exodus 13 and 17, Now when Pharaoh had let the people go, God did not lead them by the way in the land of the Philistines, even though it was near. For God said, the people might change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. That comfortable slavery, that comfortable bondage. Hence God led the people around by the way of the wilderness to the Red Sea. These are the people that kept their identity in slavery. They had their customs and they had their God in slavery. They carried on their traditions in slavery. They were distinct and they were separate in slavery. But they were not free. And they were not living in the promise. They had their basic needs taken care of. But their hands were gnarled by hard labor. And their backs marked by the lashes of Egyptian whips. And they would have buckled under the thought of war. Because these were not warriors. These were laborers. So God said, I'm going to open up a path before them. And perform a miracle that cannot be denied. To lead them to their promise. I made them a promise. And they shall have freedom. And it will certainly be from God. There would be one remaining obstacle before them. 
And yes, the obstacle was great. But that obstacle only existed to swallow up their enemy. They would never chase them and never harass them and never enslave them again. As they walked across dry land in the middle of the Red Sea, there was a group of men that were responsible for carrying this metal coffin. And inside was the bones of Joseph. Man and woman of God, hear me now. Echo these Hebrew people and say, I will not let any remaining part of me stay in bondage. I can be distinct and worship and do my thing and we can be locked within these walls and not outside. I'm fine in the comfortable bondage. But if we want others, if we want others, Pastor Dean, the promise is out there. The promise is in these streets. The promise is in these homes. The promise is in every casino. That is the place where we have to move. That's the place where we have to resurrect that promise where God said in the last days, there's going to be a revival, the likes of which you have never seen. But we've got to pick up the bones and carry them on our shoulders and take them into the land that flows with milk and with honey. Bozier City. Shreveport, Houghton, Benton, Keithville, Stonewall, Blanchard, Mooringsport, everywhere that you can look on this map, you're the promised land. You're the promised land. Let the promise arise and pick it up on your shoulders and declare the promises of God are yea and amen. If you'd stand with me across this place, we've got bones to carry. Brother Barnes, J.T. Pugh, G.A. Mangan, T.F. Tenney, Bill Dean, Floyd Leverton. The list of the bones that we carry grows longer day by day. And they prayed promises down from heaven in altars where they had worn out the knees of their suit pants. Because the passion for what God had promised was so strong. He said, I might not live to see the greatest revival. But when you see it, carry my bones. Carry what made us have some support within us. And that support is the depth of a walk with God that cannot be shaken by any force of evil or hell or this world. Whatever it throws cannot shake the bones of the apostolic church. I've never I've never I've never done this before. But I see a world that we live in and their leaders are growing weary and they are being worn down. The people that are trying to take over culture, the people that have 
try to take over government, the people that are trying to take over even the church from without into within our walls. All these people are being worn down because something is raining down from heaven. And there's a moment where something is about to snap and there's going to be every force in this world is going to say, fine, get out. Take your people and go. And when they do it, the Pentecostals of Bozier are going to be a church that knows how to lift the bones on our shoulders. With every hand in this place, lift as high as you can. Jesus, we've heard of revival. All of my life, I've heard of revival that's taking place. God, we hear the reports. We know what's going on in this world. And Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be involved in the work across this globe. God, we thank you for all of it. But God, there's a promised land outside of these walls. And God, we want to carry the bones of our fathers. And watch you rain down and let your promises reign over all this earth. God, do it in this place. Do it in our hearts. Build up our faith. Build up our anticipation, God. With somebody who is willing to carry the bones, make your way to this altar. And if you are able, I want you to kneel. And I want to mimic the posture of our fathers. Say, God, we're ready for the promise. We're ready for the promise. God, help us to enter into those lands and to see the broken saved through the power of the Holy Ghost. We're about to give every person in here an opportunity to claim the promises of God and to enter into that land. Carry the weight, the bones of our fathers upon our shoulders by giving God the opportunity to work unfettered and unrestricted. I want you to brace yourself because I want us to enter into prayer for a moment here. And when you pray, I want your voice to cry out. God, I want to see it. God, I want to see it. Are you ready? On the count of three, I want you to enter into prayer as deep as you can, as quickly as you can, and say, God, give us that promise. God, we're ready for the promise. One, two, three. Sadro 
If you can remember the prayers of your parents, your grandparents, I want you to think back to that sound. I want you to hear that prayer reverberate in your mind, your heart, your spirit again. And I want you to pray it out. I want you to echo that prayer, that passion, that anointing that they pray with. God, we're carrying the bones of our fathers. Now somebody start to pray that promise into existence right now. Say, God, you're bringing healing. God, you're bringing restoration. God, you're bringing a revival. If you're praying, I want you to continue to pray, but I want us to do something right now. We have a wide range in the apostolic movement that has become pessimistic about the future. But there's something happening in the spirits of the generations that have followed and God is restoring something that comes from the bones that we've carried. And so I want you to hear something. Every young person in current, Levi and Megan have been telling, Levi's told me a little bit about how proud he is of the push that you are making. Right now, I want you to raise your voice, I want you to close your eyes. And I want y'all to get a glimpse of the promise that's approaching. Every young person, close your eyes in this place. And in a few moments here, I want you to enter into the deepest prayer that you have been in for a long time. And I want you to pray revival down on this church. I want it to come from your hearts, from the bones that you have carried. Some of you, you might even be new to this, but it's already been placed upon your shoulders. Are y'all ready? 
I want you to hear the voices of your young people as they begin to pray. And I want what they have to catch hold of our spirit. Young people, on the count of three, I want you to raise your voice. Let your spirit reach out. One, two, three. Does that sound like the future is lost? Or does it sound like we're about to walk into the promise? Join them, church. Join them in the prayers of our fathers. God, let every promise come to pass. Let's stand across this house tonight. As you stand up, I want you to grab the hand of the person that's beside you right now. And before we leave tonight, I want us to claim the promises together. Whatever city you live in, in the surrounding area, I want it to be on your lips. And after you speak the name of your city, I want you to speak the name of your workplace, of your school, any environment that you are in all the time. I want it to be spoken out of your lips. And we're going to take the prayers that we're carrying on our shoulders. And we are going to claim that promised land right now in the name of Jesus Christ. What is your city? Bozier. You're not ready, but you're so ready. Shreveport, you don't even know what's coming, but it's coming. Whatever your city, speak it out right now, Father. We claim it in the name of Jesus. Whatever your school, your workplace, speak it out through your lips right now and claim it in the name of Jesus. And then when you've spoken it, Declare the works of God. And let a praise rise out of your lips right now. God, we declare it in the name of Jesus Christ. You have already spoken it. 
we receive it. You've already declared it. We're going to do it. We're walking through a way where there once was no way. And we're going to see the Holy Ghost have its way across this city and community. Give God a shout of victory and praise tonight. Hallelujah. It's not enough. Give him more hand clap of praise. Give him one more shout. Give him a declaration of the promise. somebody and look them in the eyes and say this city is ours this city is ours grab somebody look around don't look at me say the promises of God are yea and amen agree with me tonight the promise is coming you're carrying it on your shoulders tonight 